Hi everyone. Welcome to the Desi Crime podcast. I am Ashwarya, your host for this episode, and I am Aryan. Before we start the case for today, we want all of you to go over to our Patreon and subscribe for amazing exclusive features like merch, awesome extra episodes, early access episodes, video calls with us and more. To help the podcast out and to avail these benefits, go to www.patreon.com/desicrime and select a tier that works best for you. And if you're already listening to this episode as part of your early access on Patreon, thank you so much for helping us run the podcast. And with that, welcome back to part 2 of the Royal Family Massacre. Welcome to our new series Reality Bites. On our first episode this week's big story Nepal, a country shaken, shocked and in turmoil by the massacre of its royal family. By the morning of June 1st, the world and certainly Nepal had changed forever. 10 members of the royal family had died and Prince Dipendra became king of one of Asia's most significant monarchies for 2 days. while he lay in a coma before dying and passing on that responsibility to his father's brother king gyanendra in the days following the massacre king dipendra's unaccepted love for devyani rana was taken to be the reason for the killings and of course the world loves a struggle for love this theory spread like wildfire A two-man investigation team appointed by King Gyanendra and made up of Keshav Prasad Upadhyay, then Supreme Court Chief Justice, and Taranath Rana Bhat, then Speaker of the House of Representatives, carried out a week-long investigation. After interviewing more than a hundred people, including eyewitnesses, palace officials, guards, and staff, they concluded that Crown Prince Dipendra had indeed carried out the massacre. but they drew no further conclusions eventually while king dipendra was in the hospital alive for those two days prince gyanendra maintained that the deaths were the result of quote an accidental discharge of an automatic weapon unquote within the royal palace for 5 minutes for 5 minutes hell of a accidental discharge you know yep i agree but then aran listen to this later after dipendra's death He took back his statement and said that he made this claim due to quote legal and constitutional hurdles since under the constitution and by tradition Dipendra could not have been charged with murder had he survived as a consequence of the investigation the royal palace fired the four bodyguards of the former king queen and crown prince who died of gunshots in the massacre on June 1st the laws of physics should be more unalterable than the laws of a constitution ashwarya a gun cannot fire for 5 minutes wow again all of this sounds so made, made up. up i know a lot of people agree with you so this part of the investigation was key to answering a question i bet you're all thinking about 
where the hell were the palace guards when a prince was roaming mm-hmm. the compounds massacring the entire royal family this is not some random park or a small school in the united states this is the palace of what was a monarchy where are the guards firstly while my description of the shooting lasted 25 minutes like i said the actual shooting just lasted a total of 5 minutes <laughs> by the time the police sirens began to roll around the palace gates and the guards appeared to stop the king the shooting was effectively over but that wasn't the entire reason the guards didn't stop the shooting many of them had their loyalties closely placed with prince dipendra The government appointed inquiry announced that the palace bodyguards knew about Prince Dipendra's drug habits but did not report about it to anyone and instead helped him obtain drugs on multiple occasions including the night of the shooting. The guards eventually also revealed that for the first few minutes they found it hard to stop the prince simply because he ranked higher in seniority. Obviously He was the future king of the country and kings indulge in criminal behavior all the time. They orchestrate coups, they overthrow governments, they get political opposition killed. Who were some lowly palace guards to stop the king from what he was doing? I think this evinces a fact that psychology has revealed, which is that when people in authority take any action, their subsidiaries come to believe that they the action is justified and they come to believe that the person who was responsible for the action said person being the one in authority will eventually take responsibility for it yep it's exactly what happens in wars where generals allow the killing of children or women and soldiers follow through they think it's people in authority that will eventually take the responsibility they're merely following orders so they're somehow morally saved from the consequences of these actions. In fact, there's a great book detailing how the Holocaust ever happened. I, the name slips out of my mind, but how did so many people come to take such gruesome actions? And a lot of it has to do with the fact that people in authority expected certain things and people just follow through with them. And it seems to be a similar phenomena taking place here. Yep, exactly. It's crazy to me, clearly to you and also to the rest of the world that in a palace full of security exactly. there was nobody to stop an active shooter but who the active shooter was has a lot to do with why he wasn't mm-hmm. stopped but the story isn't over here the main fact of this case that king dipendra killed his family is probably the most contested fact out of all a good portion of the country even today despite eyewitness testimony have their loyalties to the royal family and refuse to believe it was he who orchestrated the shooting this story also isn't over till you know why king dipendra did what he did if up until now this episode was the who done it and what happened part of the story the next part is the why done it part of the story and probably the most important question ruling your mind right now but before we get into that there is a big 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 claim almost every nepali is likely to pose to everything i have said up until now why have i assumed it was king dipendra who killed the family This was an educated young man who had studied at the Eton College in the UK, the very school that educated Prince William, Prince Harry, and a never-ending list of royalty from across the world. This was a man ready to take on the throne of what was 
one of the most revered Asian monarchies in 2001. And most importantly, this man was in many ways a literal representation of God to the people of Nepal. In fact, if you open any YouTube documentary on the massacre, the comment section sounds a little like this. One commenter writes, quote, "The prince was a disciplined student in school, helpful and simple among friends, never mistreated any person. Graduated with good grades, he was a senior in my college. I never asked for help, but everybody knew that if he asked for any help, he would respond and justice would be served." He was a hero. Everyone respected him. He would never do what the media said he did. This is international politics. Wow. Every Nepali knows this. RIP late king. End quote. This comment Aryan has 1.9 thousand likes. Oh That's 1.9 thousand index fingers clicking on the like button. Yep. agreeing wow. with what this person has just said there are hundreds of comments like this one on all of these videos and millions who agree with them in many ways the questions these people are posing are legitimate the royal massacre investigation commission under t rana bhat presented its report shortly after the bloody night and revealed a lot of already known surface level details like 78 empty cartridge cases from three separate guns had been collected from the scene of the massacre mainly fired from guns that could spray anything between 700 and 1000 bullets per minute but in between all these mundane details there was one that stood out king dipendra the alleged killer himself died of two gunshot wounds both to his own chest Now imagine an inebriated drunk man who had just murdered nine members of his own family and is ready to take his own life. He points his gun to himself and where he chooses to point it is to his chest, perhaps the most impractical and inconvenient position to shoot yourself in. With a shotgun. With a shotgun. The fire of this theory also gets its fuel from the fact that there have been eyewitnesses now who've since come forward to claim that it was not King Dipendra that shot the family. See, I don't think it is completely impractical for him to shoot himself in the chest because mind you, it's not a handgun he's using. The ideal location to shoot would be your temple and your forehead if you have a handgun, right? But a shotgun is a long barrel gun, so it makes more sense for you to I mean it does, nothing makes sense here to be completely honest but to hold it you know hold it out towards your chest because that gives you some space to use both your hands again remember one thing it's a shotgun the recoil on a shotgun trust me I've shot one is very high it's not possible to shoot a shotgun with one hand because you can as you see in movies right you use a handgun on your forehead one hand isn't a problem That's not the case with a shotgun. So for a shotgun, I can totally visualize how using two hands in front of your chest makes sense. What doesn't make sense to me is how are there two shots? Exactly. According to an article in the Times of India, quote, most of the Nepalese people also don't back the official version of the night and believe there was a conspiracy involved to eliminate the entire royal family following which king yanendra succeeded his brother birendra to the throne 
Lam Teri, a junior army staff deputed at the Narayan Hiti Palace during the period, claimed that Paras, son of the ousted king Yanendra and cousin brother of Dipendra, came to the palace dinner party that night accompanied by a person wearing a Dipendra-looking mask. The masked man shot dead Dipendra before other royal family members were killed, he told the Times of India. Lamteri claimed that he saw Dipendra, who got six bullet shots on his back and one on the left hand in an inebriated state in his private room before the royal family was killed. End quote. So according to this eyewitness, there were seen inside the palace that night two Dipendras. One shot and killed on the floor before anyone else was shot and the other, the fake one, doing the shooting. And herein come two factors that completely enable conspiracies revolving around this. I'm a conspiracy theorist right now, guys. Call me whatever you want to. This doesn't add up to me. And I'll tell you two reasons. Number one, a royal family murder is probably the easiest murder to cover up because you have the highest bodies of authority working in tandem with all other authorities like the police involved. So right, if there has to be a cover up, the best possible scenario is for the royal family. Right. And the second thing would be, if it was so easy for Gyanendra to come up with a lie, which was that a submachine gun automatically misfired for five minutes, I can totally see why the Nepali people would doubt any other thing that the royal family says, any other conclusion, any other story they weave up, because they were easily lying about a major, major fact at the beginning, what stops them from lying now? Yeah, those are both very good points that I hadn't thought of before. Again, I I think I've said this before, but all of the skepticism around this theory that the Nepalese people show is not completely unjustified in my mind. It sounds a little conspiracy theoristy, but I don't think they're completely unjustified in what mm. they think. Um, but I, I think it's important for me to add that the theory that I just mentioned, that there were two Dipendras that night, one wearing a mask and the other the real one who was shot before anyone else, is an extreme fringe view. The most common and perhaps the simplest of all views is one which involves a struggle for love. Is anyone surprised? Behind every tragedy is the motivation of love. Do you all remember Divyani Rana, the woman King Dipendra had called multiple times on the night of the massacre? This love story involves her and King Dipendra, the two of whom were allegedly in love. Is this a classic commoner wanting to marry royalty story? Like one where the family does not agree to the love affair and King Dipendra is to marry somebody more, you know, in their status, in their milieu? Um, so you're only semi-correct, Aryan. That's the title of my autobiography, but go ahead. <laughs> okay, good to know. We know it firsthand. Divyani Rana was and actually is royalty herself. And she doesn't belong to some small princely dynasty nobody knows about. She actually belongs to the house of Sindhyas, the royal family of Gwalior in India. Devyani Rana is the second daughter of Pashupati Shamsher Jang Bahadur Rana and Rani Usha Raja Sindhya, daughter of Jivaji Rao Sindhya, the last Maharaja of Gwalior. According to an article in the Nepali Times, quote, 
Dipendra was in England between 1987 and 1990 and his local guardian was Sir Jeremy Bag, 7th baronet, whose son was also at Eton. Bag's daughter was a friend of Devyani's who was also studying in England. Dipendra and Devyani met at the Bag's Norfolk home and Dipendra quickly fell in love with her and asked her to marry him. However, Dipendra's parents and especially his mother Queen Ashwarya opposed the marriage. End quote. According to an article in the 30th of July 2001 New Yorker edition and other published reports, the refusal of Dipendra's parents to consent to this marriage was the cause of the massacre of the royal family in Nepal. However, a 2009 report based on an interview with his cousin Parash Shah suggested that there may have been other reasons as well with other theories alleging that Dipendra was unhappy with the country's shift from an absolute to a constitutional monarchy and that too much power had been given away following the 1990 people's movement a book by former secretary to the king birendra suggests that dipendra also may have had significant personality problems again one needs to ask themselves if just the denial of love can be enough to murder one's entire family including your two baby siblings i think a lot more has to go wrong for that to happen but maybe i don't know a different theory suggests that gyanendra the man that became king after birendra died in the hospital the chief beneficiary of the massacre had some hand in planning it The country knew he was a staunch anti-democracy monarchist who had simply had to make his peace with King Birendra's acceptance of the democracy movement of 1990. This theory grew in popularity also because Gyanendra's eldest son Paras was widely unpopular with the public and would now become crown prince. It just seemed weird to people that in this bloody massacre had escaped the two men capable of claiming the throne and becoming new kings causing a complete shift in monarchy rulership. Aryan what are your thoughts on the two theories that we have so far? Can I be honest? Of course. I would like to act all smart and bougie about nonsense that makes a lot of sense but This case didn't make sense to me. Uh, my one theory would be that there was an external shooter. Two shots on Dipendra's body as well as the fact that 5 minutes of continued rampage without anybody to stop it. Those things just don't add up, right? So I am edging towards a conspiracy to better explain it, but that said, I don't know enough about this case. So whatever I say, take it with a grain of salt. but my only verdict my version of a conspiracy theory would be this doesn't make sense sounds like you made up a beautiful story i don't to confuse you and everybody else just a little more no, our Ashwara, theories don't, don't end to. here they don't if some people believe king dipendra didn't even physically commit the massacre and if some people believe he did it but he did it for love and if yet others believe it was king gyanendra The most common theory is neither of these three. The most common view is that King Dipendra did do it physically. He was the only one shooting that night, but he was made to do it. He was merely a piece in the complicated international political workings of the modern world. If he was made to do it, who made him do it? There are two varying answers to this question. 
The first one is no surprise by any standard. It's almost always the answer to the question who is responsible for this insane international event. Can I guess? Yes, of course. America, baby. The United States government. <laughs> this theory began to make rounds when the Nepalese foreign minister and also a former Nepalese ambassador to India, Chakra Prasad Bastola, claimed he was certain that the US played a role in the event. People ate this theory up as they began raising questions about how King Dipendra got his American manufactured weapons that not even the Nepalese army uses in times of combat. The possible motive is the United States' want to establish democracy and eradicate whatever little hints of monarchy remain in Asia. But Chakra Prasad Bastola's theory of foreign involvement did not end at the FBI's involvement. He thinks it was the United States joining hands with none other than India and the FBI collaborating with RAW, India's intelligence agency wing, to orchestrate the attack. Bastola is right in pointing out that little goes down in Nepal without Indian influence mm. and little goes down in the world without US influence. According to that research paper by Michael Hutt, quote, the first step in the development of a formal conspiracy theory about the massacre involving India was taken by the Maoist leader Baburam Bhattarya. Bhattarya wrote an opinion piece entitled, quote, We should not recognize the massacre, end quote, which appeared in a newspaper just five days after the event itself. Bhattarya alleged that the massacre was the result of a conspiracy involving India's research and analysis wing, RAW, and unnamed imperialist forces. The purpose of the massacre, he said, was to replace a patriotic King Birendra with one who would do India's bidding. Baburam Bhattarya praised the role played by certain members of the Shah dynasty in the preservation of Nepal's sovereignty and independence and claimed that the Maoists and the late king had been thinking along similar lines on many questions of national importance. End quote. In his paper, Bhattarya gave a fantastic analysis of Nepal's geopolitical workings and the inner relations that had existed between the Maoists of India and Nepal and the massacred royal family. These connections posed a threat to the Indian government, whose battle with Maoist regimes within its borders is long-standing and almost never-ending. <sighs> with these, we come to the end of all major theories involving the massacre. Do we know for sure which is true? We don't. Nope. The world doesn't know. Does this episode accurately represent the political and historical complexity of this world-shaping event? No, it doesn't. This is perhaps the most complicated case I have ever tried to cover. And in the end, the only thing I can tell you for sure is this. After that fateful night of 2001, Nepal has never been the same. A family much like yours or mine in many ways is gone. But in so many ways, it wasn't a family <laughs> like yours or mine. It was a family worshipped in temples and revered as messengers of God. A dynasty of more than 200 years perished within the matter of minutes and history was written with their blood. As their dead bodies lay on the grounds of the palace they called home, above all else, they looked like humans. Flawed, 
broken and mortal.